Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet and Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite league, the NBA. The Howl is also a proud member of the CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podium, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the jewel runner of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves, and to my right is Aaron A. Crossover Groshan. He is the producer of the show. Tonight's first quarter, we review and preview both the Timberwolves and Iowa Wolves games. We were also fortunate enough to interview Noah Getzel, who is the co-host of the newest addition to the Nothing But Net channel, the Locked On Wizards show. Second quarter is our talker segment featuring news and notes from around the league, as well as WNBA and Iowa Wolves. Tonight on The Howl, it's time to get serious. The playoff push is afoot. You're listening to The Howl. Quarter one of The Howl. Aaron, this is where we review the Wolves games that were and take a look to the week ahead. Now, based off of our scheduling, uh, we are only going to break down the Rockets game and the Warriors game. We'll talk about the Wizards uh, in a breakdown. We'll kind of preview it this week and uh, break it down more next week on the show. So the first game that we're going to talk about is a game that I, I think really nobody in Minnesota or anybody that watched this game for that matter really gave the Wolves a shot at, and that's playing a very tough uh uh, Boston Celtics team. Yeah, the Boston Celtics came to town. Uh, very interesting game from the standpoint of if you were to just simply look at the score, hey, they lost by eight, high scoring affair, et cetera, et cetera. What you fail to realize is the Wolves basically never had a chance to win this game. 
And what's funny is I was thinking it. Rob Hess was tweeting it. He tweeted that exact same thing. That basically, hey, you know, if you were to tune in at the end and see the Wolves scrapping at the finish, I think at one point they were down five. You thought, boy, the Wolves really hung in there. But no, it just the Celtics were in control from the start. They were the aggressors. We were sort of the reactors to the play. Um, this was a big TNT game. Yeah. And, uh, and unfortunately, we we haven't shown up when it's TNT time. We haven't for whatever reason. And I don't think it helped that Kyrie came back this game. I mean, he you know he sat the game previous. There were talks that he was going to miss this game, but ultimately he came back. But the the big thing here for me, the big positive in this is what a game for Nemanja Bialica. Well, this 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 was a career game for him, Kevin. I'm glad you brought him up because. I do have to say something. I I have given him a hard time on this show, and so you and I both. When that happens, we have to give credit where credit is due. He looked fantastic. He looked like the best player on the court for the Wolves, and for a period of time, the best player on the court. Period. He did. He did lead all scores in this game with thirty points. I will say this. Um, I seen a tweet from uh, Darren Doogie Wilson, a friend of the show. He had mentioned, you know, this will make things interesting come offseason for the Wolves and, and suitors of Belly's talents because this shows what he's capable of and why you could fall in love with the Belly. Yeah, this this was a good game um, from that standpoint. Obviously, it's really good to see Jalen Brown uh, doing better after that scary fall after his dunk. Uh, not much else really to talk about here. Wolves lose 109-117. They get a day off, and then it doesn't get any easier, Aaron. You got to go on. You got to take on the defending champion, Golden State Warriors, at home. They get a little lucky and no Steph Curry. Aaron, I was at this game. The atmosphere was incredible. I actually uh, saw Chad Greenway uh, at the game. So oh, it was nice. Cool to, see, cool to see him. I said hi How's to him. How's he doing? Good, good. We didn't talk for long, but, you know, we, we shot the breeze a little bit. Good to, good to see. Um this was a phenomenal win, but early on, you know, you go up 11 points at the end of the first. You're down 10 at the at halftime, and Zaza Pachulia is taking over the game. It's just that's just a worst case scenario right there for the Wolves. Hey, if you were to add up all the falls that Zaza commits in a game, do you think he'd have 20, 20 falls? Uh oh, including what's not actually called. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, he would have he would have fouled out five minutes into the game. The guy's unbelievable. Um, this is a this is big time. This is an ABC Sunday Sunday game. This is what I grew up as a kid watching. I loved these games. Just the vibe of them. They were always, you know, when I was younger, it was always watching Celtics and Knicks and Lakers. It just. The, you know the Jazz, the Bulls. I mean, it was it was all of that. It was all the stars. Um, I am so happy the Wolves showed up. And this for me was the grittiest win of them all because we showed resilience, we showed fight, we showed end of game execution. Thank you, thank you, thank you for Let's that. Go. I mean, I. <laughs> I tell you what, there are moments as a Wolves fan where, you know, this, it feels fantastic. Um, Towns, this is the Carl Anthony Towns that I wish I saw every night. And w- which we should see every night. He, what I liked 
I'll tell you this. Outside of, you know, what was it? Yeah, 31 points, 16 rebounds. I loved the headiness. He was making smart plays. He wasn't let his emo- he was you know, his emotions sometimes get too hot, but he was playing right at that edge and that's where you have to be. You have to have that energy where you're at that breaking point where you could get that deck, but you don't. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant, I think they held him to a very quiet night. 39 points doesn't seem quiet, but 11 of 32 shooting and Chocolate. 5 of 12 from 3. Yeah. You mean the snake? Yeah, the snake. Cupcake. Oh, is that what we're calling him now? I, I called him Cupcake at the game. Yeah. Um, otherwise, nobody else really impressive. I did like Quinn Cook's game. I like him a lot. He's a good backup point guard there in Golden State. Uh, Wolves pull out the 109-103 win. Aaron, three games this week coming up for the Wolves. We'll break them down really quickly. Um, and then we got an interview with Noah Getzel uh, talking about the Wizards. So we play the Wizards. Hold on. I want oh, one housekeeping thing. One housekeeping thing. Aaron, Andrew Wiggins on Aaron Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins played some amazing defense on Clay Thompson, and that cannot be forgotten, okay? Yes, okay. Hands down. We can't move on without getting into that. Okay. It looked great. It, it did look good, and there were percentage numbers that I saw a stat of that he he held Clay to a very uh, poor shooting percentage in that yeah. game. Eight, 8 for 22 and 3 for 12 from downtown. So real quick, Aaron, then we got to get into this interview with Noah. Yeah, do it. Wizards, Spurs, Rockets. Possible return of Kawhi against the Spurs. The Rockets are tough. The Wizards, it's an Eastern Conference team on the road. Where do you think the Wolves end up on this trip? I think they go 2-1. and one. I think they beat the Wizards and Spurs. I think we lose against the Rockets. Even though I think this Rockets game is critical for us because – this is really the last test of these heavy three-point shooting teams that we're going to see for a little bit. I want them to win that game so bad because the Rockets have manhandled us. It, when we play the Rockets, about eight minutes in, it looks like it's over. I mean, you could just shut the TV off and, and you would know that this is going to be a loss because we can't defend the three-point line, and we're going to let them shoot 40 times, by the way. You know, I think we're going to win this because – that's the second night of a back-to-back, and they come from New Orleans playing the night before. I think this is the perfect time to catch them. I'm going to be Mr. Positivity here and go 3-0. and Well, in your dream world, Kevin, what would be ideal is if they could beat the Pelicans and then we beat them and we get a little swing in the Western Conference standings. This is this is a stretch right here. This is This is, this is a tough stretch, but it does – in theory, get a little bit easier for the Wolves this after could set the, the stretch. Tone. This is setting the tone. All right, well, we are pleased to be joined by Noah Getzel uh, from the Locked On Wizards show here on Dash Radio, brand new show. Uh, f- a lot of Wolves fans aren't super familiar with the Washington Wizards, so we're going to bring to light here uh, with this wonderful interview uh, that Aaron and I had a little bit earlier on with Noah and then uh, we'll get into quarter two. So here is our interview with Noah Getzel, host of Locked On Wizards. Quarter one of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. And we are joined tonight by Noah Getzel. He is the host of Locked On Wizards, which you can hear Monday nights here on Dash Radio. Noah, thanks for taking some time. Kevin, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the Howl. How are you doing so, 
I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's it's starting to warm up here in the Midwest. We're uh, expecting 50s, which is uh, it seems like the first time we've seen that in ages. It's sizzling like a Derrick Rose <laughs> jump shot. <laughs> oh man, too soon. Yeah, too way too soon, especially after he looked like he almost tore his ACL in his first drive on Sunday uh, mm-hmm. against the uh, against the Warriors. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so the Wolves played the Washington Wizards here on Monday, and no, I wanted to have you on because we only really get to see the Wizards here twice a year, once in Minneapolis, obviously once uh, out by you guys. And so uh, with the exception of John Wall, Bradley Beal, and even the Polish hammer, Marcin Gorta, uh, the Wizards aren't a team that a lot of Minnesota fans really are familiar with. We just, we never see them. So uh, with John Wall being injured, uh, you know, and you've got you've got Bradley Beal kind of taking the the brunt of it, but you it's a it's a solid team out east there in Washington. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're kind of just you know for years they've kind of just been on the cusp of getting to that Eastern Conference Finals and made it to Game Seven against the Celtics uh, last year when they were led by Isaiah Thomas. But it's it's a changing team for sure. You mentioned the Polish Hammer, but he's a guy who barely plays in the fourth quarter anymore. Um, just averaging 25 minutes a game. So it's it's really just, I mean, this year it's been all about Beal because Wall has played, you know, 30 games less than Bradley Beal. Uh, and it, it kind of seems like a team that has old parts and young parts, and you don't really know if it's going to mesh together too well. Because like Kelly Oubre, uh, the sixth man off the bench, has been playing great this year. He's up to like 12 points a game. And then Tomas Sadoransky has filled in incredibly well for John Wall during his uh injury stint, which has now lasted, what, I think, like 18 games or something, right since the beginning of February. So he, he's going to be a player who can be a starter on, on some teams for sure. And it's, it's definitely, like, showed um, Bradley Beal's leadership and ability to make that next jump because everyone thought the Wizards were done and, like, okay, they're going to fall out of the playoff picture now that Wall is having this knee surgery. But it's it, it hasn't been perfect. I think above everything else, the Wizards are inconsistent. But it's it's been it's been a pretty good showing since Wall went down. You know, Aaron Groshan here with the Howl. Question for you regarding John Wall and Marcin Gortat's relationship on the court. How impactful was it on Gortat's game? You know, when I think of the Wizards, I think of that pick and roll, high ball screen action with Gortat and Wall. How much has that impacted him? Can you elaborate a little bit for the listeners here of the Howl? Yeah. A lot of people like to hate on Marcin Gortat, but I think his his screen and roll game is absolutely unparalleled. He's a master at, you know, um, finding the right man when he catches it off the screen. And him him and Wall just have incredible chemistry on the pick and roll. Uh, Gortat gets a ton of screen assists. I know he's been like a league leader in that category, and he's he's a rebounding menace. But I think um, as of recently, Gortat's role has really diminished. Uh, along with his age, because they have a younger, better defensively uh, center in terms of Jan Mahimi. So Gortat is 33 now. He doesn't play it quite as much. He doesn't get any touches in the post because very few teams actually pass it down to the post these days, even teams with great centers. Um, And it it just seems like they've had a lot of rips. Uh, Wall mentioned on national TV, on SportsCenter, I think right in the beginning of February, that it was confusing to him that Gortat was tweeting about, oh man, this was a great quote-unquote team victory after the Wizards beat the the Raptors, because 
it, it basically inferred like, okay, are were we not a team when John Wall was on the court? Are we only now sharing the ball? Like, I think that was all overblown. But they had to have a in-person meeting between Wall and Gortat to try and clear the air regarding that. And Wall said on national TV, "Hey, I don't know why this guy's complaining. He gets more spoon-fed buckets than anyone in the league." Dang. You know, I, <laughs> I, I was reading a, uh, I think it was a Washington Post article that that kind of mirrored what you just said that. You know, with with Gortat playing now without John Wall, you know his, his touches are down. You see more from you know Yamahimi and and kind of a, a turnstile, uh, rotating, revolving door kind of thing at, at center. Uh, I mean, is it one of those things that that you know Marcin Gortat needs John Wall to be a productive player, or I mean, have you have you seen him still be productive in this in this kind of more diminished role without John Wall available. I think the Wizards' best center is to have no center on the court. I think playing Marquise Morris is kind of a, a better fit for them in terms of like a small ball lineup of right now before Wall gets back, it would be Tomas Sadaransky, Bradley Beal, Kelly Oubre, who's a flourishing wing defender, and then Otto Porter playing the stretch four position and Marquise Morris kind of being having this new role as center, that's that's a more effective lineup just because Gortat and Mahimni really stink at trying to step out to a three-point line and guard quicker players. And that's just the whole direction of the league. Like, you guys have a center and Cat, but, you know, he's shooting threes, he's crossing people up. He's not the best defender, but he's quick enough to be able to stay with anyone. Yeah, the Wolves don't play so much of anything that's called defense, but uh, <laughs> um, he is versatile. I'll give Cat that. Hey, John Wall's been working out lately. Do you have a bead on what an estimated return would be for him? Yeah, so he, he um, let's see, over the weekend in Miami, he went through a short half-hour like pregame workout as the guys were warming up. And it looks like at the end of this week, he's going to be practicing with the team again, but there's still a couple of milestones before he gets back to full contact type of play. So it's it's going to, it's going to be, you know, I would get, I would say like maybe two weeks until he is cleared to go full contact, full five on five, but he's definitely a quick, um, a quick recoverer, I guess. Uh, he heals pretty well and he's had knee injuries at least, you know, uh, the, this off season before last season, he had a knee surgery. Um, he had an injection earlier this year, and now there was another procedure to clear things up. So it's been a bit of an issue recently, but he's one of the tough guys in the NBA, him and Jeff, Jimmy Butler right up there. So, you know, he's going to tough it out and be ready for the playoffs. So as it sits right now, it, it looks to me like Washington is kind of fighting for that uh, that five or six seed in the East with the, fo- the four seed pretty uh, pretty darn close there as well. Uh, does, do you think John Wall kind of puts you in that, that upper group? I mean, Toronto and Boston seem to be running away with it. I mean, seven and, and, uh, 11 games up on Washington as it currently sits. Uh, but do you think with the return of John Wall, a, a three seed is, is a likely option? I mean, you guys have Miami kind of chomping at the bit right now, only two games back. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting shakeup. You know, you've got, um, eight, well, you've got five teams that are just right uh, right in it, you know, three and a half games apart. So uh, there's no team in the Eastern Conference that scares me as a, you know, a Wizards 
supporter aside from uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers because you can't ever discount LeBron in the playoffs. But when you look at, um, yeah, obviously the Wizards want to get the three seed. That would be the ideal matchup. Um, and and it looks like it's just a couple of wins they need to string together. But the Wizards really messed around earlier in the season when they were losing awful games to the Mavericks twice and the Phoenix Suns and the L.A. Lakers and the Nets a pair of times and the Jazz by 47 points. So We know all of... about that, buddy. I was, I was just going to say that that sounds very familiar there to we... the Wolves not oh, yeah. being able to beat uh, the Suns twice, the Nets, you know, just losing, losing to the awful teams and, and somehow pulling out wins against the likes of Golden State and mm-hmm. uh, some of the upper echelon teams here in the Western Conference, which is also – a very, very tight race. Yeah, the thing that I find amazing right now, if you look at both conferences, as you alluded to, Noah, the Wizards uh, sitting at the fifth spot, four through eight, it's a two and a half game. And like you said, down to, what was it, nine, was three and a half out. Then you look at the Western Conference and how tightly packed our bunch is from from three to nine as well. It's It's unbelievable right now how tight things are. It's really going to be a fascinating finish because I, I think the Wizards are very much in a similar position as the Wolves. If they get hot and string together some wins, they could very much move into the third spot. If they get you know complacent, maybe fall on some bad luck, they could be near the bottom in the playoffs because going into the Wolves-Wizards matchup, the Wolves were 39-29 and 29 and the Wizards 38-29. and 29. So very similar records mm-hmm. on this season. So if you had to take a pick of where you think you end up, I have an idea where the Wolves are going to end up. But how do you see the rest of the season playing out for your team, the Washington Wizards? I think the Wizards will probably fall into the four or five spot um, and face most likely uh, the Indiana Pacers. And, and, and I think the Wizards will come out um, going, you know, moving ahead and they just have more talent if Wall is, Back and recovered and playing healthy, I think uh, they would take on beat the Pacers and move on to face uh, the Toronto Raptors, which seems on paper like a, a devastating matchup because the Raptors are so many games ahead. But the Wizards have a ton of confidence over them. Um, a couple years ago, back in 2014-2015, it was a bit of a different Raptors team, but uh, the Wizards had Paul Pierce who basically just trash-talked the team out of the gym. And so ever since that, that was like the coming-out party for Bradley Beal and Otto Porter in the playoffs. And ever since then, the Wizards have just not really seemed to have any fear of the Raptors, and the Raptors are constantly getting eliminated in the playoffs. They're more like a regular season uh, team that, that's scary to face, kind of like the I guess the Clippers used to be or the Rockets have been since they haven't really advanced to the finals. But I think it's it's also going to be – I don't know if this will be the the year that the Wizards make it to Eastern Conference Finals, but in the East Coast, it just seems like the door is wide open for any of these teams to really make a leap because there's so much, you know, it's not like you have a dominant Cavs team. There's a lot of new parts. They're kind of all trying to fit together. And then it's the same thing in the West Coast, you know. If you are the if – you, if you don't, you know – get that seventh or eighth seed, then you're probably in pretty good shape to, you know, would you say that it's – would you like your chances in the first round as long as um, the Wolves, you know, get the three through six position? Well, you know what Carl Towns would say? He'd say that we're in a swamp and only the real alligators make it out. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are more or less in the concrete jungle out there in the East Coast. Um, I, I, I feel like 
the Cavs are a team that they're really taking these last handful of games to just work on themselves. LeBron James has already said, you know, he doesn't care what seed he is. As long mm-hmm. as he's in the playoffs, he'll take care of it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because, like you said, a lot of new pieces on his team. However, they have a handful of games here to really work it out. You know, I think people underestimate how much a team can get accomplished, you know, behind the scenes over that many games remaining in the season, especially when you get a little break and know, okay, guys, it's playoff time. So mm-hmm. the Cavs, like you said, definitely a team to fear. Um, if your prediction's right and you end up facing the Raptors, I think there's a big if there. The Raptors actually move on because Lord only knows playoff Kyle Lowry is just a few weeks away and anything mm-hmm. can happen then. So they can fold like a house of cards or a lawn chair. Um, you know, I if I were to be a betting man, and, and the Celtics also too, I mean, today was a really um, – bad news day for the Celtics. I mean, a couple right. goals to their team. Um, they now look thinner than ever. I, I'm I'm shaky on them. I don't trust the Raptors. I would say of the the two in the bunch that I would have any confidence on one, you know, teams that have not only been there, but also have won some gritty playoff matches is the Cavs and the Wizards. Uh, outside of that, the rest of the East is um you know, I mean, we're looking at the Pacers. I mean, I, I, I'm not putting any, you know, stock yeah, into that. Maybe you could say the Heat because they're incredibly well coached, and even though you know they they just missed the playoffs last year, they're a team that is. You know, it seems like they have the the playoff pedigree, even even though they haven't you know done so much since LeBron left. But like, you can't really put any trust in the Sixers or the Pacers, who are even like the Bucks, who are just newcomers to to the playoff picture. You know, in the in the Sixers, for instance, you know, they're adding they added a handful of pieces too, and they're working things out and it's a young team. I, I, I like the fact that even though you have Beal who's young ish and Wall who's also young ish relatively speaking, they're still veteran players in my mind because they've been there. And and we're mm-hmm. huge fans of Bradley Beal here on the show because He's a, a product of Drew Hanlon in, in training, and we really believe what Drew does is amazing work, which yeah. you can see year after year, Beal has greatly improved um, in all, all facets. The Wolves. Is that Wiggins? Uh, Wiggins. He works with Andrew Wiggins, and before that, it was Zach Levine. Mm, um, that's right. You know, before we traded him, so it was him and Levine he was working with, but you know, Drew is a fantastic trainer, and just knowing mm-hmm. the drills and everything he does, you can see them in game. It's it's a it's an amazing thing to watch. It's like, oh yeah, that was something Andrew worked on in the offseason. or oh yeah, I seen Bradley doing that uh, with Drew and some you know unseen hours footage that they put out, and now you're seeing it applied in the game. So fascinating stuff there. Um, let's let's talk about um, let's give a little dreamy. Do you mind? No, no problem. I have one okay. more question first about the Cavs. So last year, yeah. everyone was saying they were like in horrible position going into the playoffs. I don't know how many they lost in a row, but they just looked awful at the end of the season. Yep. And then I think they only lost one game against the Celtics on in route to the finals. So do mm-hmm. you think it like anything really matters in terms of the turmoil that they're facing now, or are they going to just breeze, breeze through the Eastern Conference? <sighs> I I would have to say. Knowing the body of work that I've seen from LeBron James, that I have to believe that they can put everything aside, and then you have to deal with the guy who's 
I still think the most well-rounded basketball player and best basketball player in the NBA, and that's LeBron James. So mm-hmm. with that being said, I can't I can't go against them. I I don't see them if they end up playing your Wizards squad. I think that's difficult from the standpoint of the guards. You know, you know, maybe with Clarkson now he can defend a little bit better. Before that, I would have been worried about them matching up with you guys because I think your guard play is top, you know, five in the NBA. So with that being said, I think the Cavs really can walk it because you know if they play the Celtics, I think they I think they smoke the Celtics to be honest with you mm-hmm. because I don't I don't know if Kyrie can do it all and if Horford has any struggles, I think then they become you know it becomes thin. The guy that's really surprised me with the Celtics has been Terry Rozier in some of the bench yeah. play, but now that that bench is thinner, um, you know Marcus Smart having a bum thumb. I don't think that really matters because he had a bad jump shot to begin with. It's not like it's going to get any better, especially with a you know torn ligament in your thumb. I mean, I've torn ligaments in my hands playing basketball, and it's tough to shoot a ball. It's tough to catch a ball. It hurts, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, the Cavs. I think I can't bet against them, but there there's a situation. I mean, I could definitely see them having a meltdown. Would we? Would I bet that LeBron doesn't make it to the finals? I couldn't do that. I, I still think that he gets to the finals. Okay. You yeah, like that I answer? Like as, as of course. Like as much as people want to talk poorly about the Cavs and all, all the turmoil they're facing, like it doesn't matter once playoff time hits. It really doesn't. That's how mm-hmm. I'm, it, and that's how it's been the past oh no nine years with LeBron, something like that. How many finals has it been? So he made four in a row with the Heat and then three in a row. Yeah, so it's it's been a lot. <laughs> this yeah. could be seven in a row, right? Exactly. Uh, Kevin, look that up. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look. <laughs> take, take a look. <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's crunching away. All right, now let's let's talk about some dreamy stuff. You, you mentioned sure. the Wizards are sitting here. It felt to you as if they were sort of some young and old pieces, right? You have some cornerstones. How do you think they approach the offseason and what would be some targets that you either expect in a draft or free agency? Man, that's a good question. That's um, deep, huh? I would really I'd love for the Wizards to get rid of um one of their hefty center contracts. So ideally getting rid of uh Marching Gortat who makes about I've got a double check, about like thirteen or fourteen million a year. And it's tough to unload that sort of contract for a guy who's 33 in a league that doesn't really have many centers anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But the Wizards have some question marks coming because Kelly Oubre has been developing very nicely, but he's going to demand some money at the end of uh, next season. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, same thing. Like, he's one of the solid bench players, but uh, he's starting now. But, you know, it's, it's going to be tough because the Wizards are absolutely maxed out in terms of their salary. They just gave you know, huge contracts, uh, the Supermax to John Wall and Otto Porter over the offseason, he got a max. The year before that, it was Bradley Beal. So the Wizards yeah, don't really have much players, flexibility. Which is basically yeah. it, yeah. That's tough, man. How much space do the Wolves have? Uh, not a lot. We actually, we've been trying to cover this week after week. We actually started diving into this back in January where, there's a couple of factors for the Wolves that will hit that are critical. And the first of which is a Jimmy Butler contract extension. He's available mm-hmm. to extend his current contract this year uh, for 125 or 120%. That would give the Wolves a huge savings. 
financially, if if I'm just being blatantly honest, I think that's a bad financial decision for him because if he goes the restricted free agent route, he earns something like thirty million a year starting in two years or something. So also sorry for the record, yeah. what uh, LeBron James has been in the last seven NBA finals mm-hmm. consecutively. Yeah, okay. That's what Noah yep. said. So so I think I think that's the most critical aspect. So this summer if you hear talks of a Jimmy Butler contract extension, that is a beautiful thing for the Wolves because that means that he's willing to take less to keep pieces and add pieces to this team. Um, our, um, you could say, uh, Marcin Gortat is Gorgie Jang. Uh, you know, we're yeah. sitting here paying him. What is it, Kevin? Uh, something like $44 million over like four or five years. Yeah. Yep. So four years. Right. So four years, 44 million. Yeah. For 48 million. Anyways, um, it's a lot for what the production is now. Locally, everybody loves him. He's a great guy, high character guy, locker room guy, good glue guy. I mean, everything you would want in a teammate, he is that it would just be a lot nicer if it was around like six million or something of that nature. Anyways, with that being said, he is a, a piece that I could easily see this team looking to move off of because if you just simply factor in production and the money that's being spent and, you know, we still have yet to pay Carl Anthony Towns and the Wiggins contract kicks in next year, which his starting salary is 25 million. So that right there, those two are the two biggest cogs in our puzzle is uh, the Butler contract extension and what to do with Gorgie. Um, after that, we have a couple salaries coming off the books. Um, you're going to have Cole Aldrich, who's making $8 million for being a cheerleader currently. <laughs> and uh, no, I'm serious, man. It's He's, he's, he's a great, like, I mean. That's it. Right. He plays two minutes a game. Half yeah. A point. Yep. yep. Great production. Uh-huh. And after that, you really, I mean, Jamal Crawford, whether he um, stays or goes, you know, I don't know what his long-term plans are. And he obviously just age is a thing that you just look at. Um, but we love him. I mean, he's a fantastic player for us. I mean, some of the sizzle that he brings off the bench is that's what the wolves have been waiting for, for years. And then the last guy would be uh Nemanja Bielica. He is really showing up right now. Um, he had struggled earlier in the season. He had been injured, hadn't caught a groove properly. He's now really coming into his own that he's getting consistent minutes. So with that being said, it's like, what do we do with him? Because I think if he hits an open market, I think he gets offers that the Wolves can't even come close to matching. And that becomes a problem. And I really don't think, and I'll just be honest with you, you we haven't really done him any favors here in Minnesota that would really, you know, for him to give us a deal. You know, I, I could easily see him going with whoever gives him the most money is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And I could so I could totally see um I could totally see your coach being like, Oh no, we got Tosh Gibson, we're set at power forward position, even though Gibson's, you know, thirty two and I, I feel like just just the way that he's set in his ways, he'd be like, Oh no, we don't need this young gun. We can we'll be fine with Tosh Gibson. Yeah, and you have to also think, you know, Bielitsa is an inheritance. You know, he didn't bring him on. Um, Mm -hmm. I think any of the players that, you know, really this can be said for many um, coaching, you know, regimes that come in. If you're an inherited player, I think you innately have a lot to earn to stay with the team. 
because if you somehow don't fit that vision, you know, what are you there for? And, and, and that's really, I think what Bielitsa is going to fall into now, would it break my heart to get rid of, you know, our best shooter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we right. can't, we can't, we can't somehow, I don't want our offseason to look like, you know, Crawford is gone. Billy, is gone. And, uh, you know, we've lost, th- you know, two of our three best shooters and haven't mm-hmm. replaced it. And this is coming from a team that has, you know, you like historically right? been, well, it, it's been that way for the last, yeah, it's right around there. Last four years. I mean, we've been, uh, bottom of the barrel and three point attempts and makes for a handful of years. And so um, we know that's not the direction to go. So it'll be interesting. We, I think both of our teams are in a bit of uh, you know, this off season is going to be critical. So uh, thanks for dreaming with me. I like that. Of course. And one more question, who would you prefer on your team at this stage in the career right now? Say like going into the postseason, a healthy Jimmy Butler or a healthy Bradley Beal? Uh, let me let me answer this one first because I'm sure I, I think I think I'm I'm set with this. I love Bradley Beal to death, but what Jimmy Butler has done for this team, and it, it took, I mean, from what Aaron and I both have witnessed, I mean, it, it took a month, really, a month of of continuous regular season basketball for Jimmy to kind of find his voice on the court. I mean, you look at his early season numbers, and he had something like eight points, four rebounds, five assists, and and while that's a, a solid role player night, that's not a Jimmy Butler night. And it seems mm-hmm. like about a month into the season, the light switch hit. And you saw his 30 his thirty point performances. You saw his 12 assists, seven, eight rebound games, and, and kind of just willing the team to a victory. And this isn't a knock on, on Bradley Beal whatsoever, but what Jimmy Butler came in and, and did, I think is something that, a guy only like Jimmy Butler could honestly do knowing Thibs's system, knowing, mm-hmm. you know, having that relationship with Taj and, you know, the minor relationships with Aaron Brooks and knowing Jamal Crawford from being in the league for where, you know, however long. And I just, I don't think anybody could walk in and do what Jimmy has done. And I think with another shooting guard, another top tier shooting guard, other than Jimmy Butler, who's not named, you know, James, I mean, you know, Clay the, Thompson, Clay Thompson, James Harden, any of those guys, I don't think the results would be the same. And I don't think we would be anywhere close to where we are now. I think the the difference simply is this, is that Bradley Beal's a star in the NBA and Jimmy Butler's a superstar. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Jimmy Butler was in a basketball game. You know, he's in one Beal as well, but there's just, there's something about the guy where he is, he's that alpha in every situation. So um, now, now granted Aaron, for the record, what, if, if I find out or if we, we come to know that Jimmy does not want to resign in Minnesota and Bradley Beal's available, I'd be happy to take Bradley Beal well, here. Of course. I mean, come that's, on. you know, and the, it, like, we're this not, is the we're part not, of the show where Kevin starts talking crazy. Talk. We're, we're not, we're not knocking him <laughs> whatsoever, but yeah. just Jimmy's, Jimmy's leadership is, is something that's unmatched in this league. By the way, Noah, <laughs> if Jimmy doesn't decide to resign with the Wolves and Giannis and Tentacumpo is available, Kevin would also take him on, on the Timberwolves as well. Who wouldn't? I mean, any, got, any NBA team. Gosh, <laughs> I would, I would legitimately empty my bank account for Giannis. But uh, let's real quick here. I just want to kind of we we went over the Wolves bench a little bit. What are what are your thoughts on the Wizards bench? I mean, 
you know, you're a little bit thin at point guard without without John Wall. You've got some solid backup, but I mean, some of some of the names on this roster, like you said, for salary reasons, may not be household names. So, what do you expect out of this this Wizards bench? Yeah, the bench has been an issue for years. It's kind of looking a little bit better, but there there are definitely some weak spots. Um, and I'm looking at the backup guards, like uh, Tomas Adergrunsi is going to be a great backup point guard for the team but then you've got like Ramon Sessions and Tim Frazier who haven't done anything and and then uh on the wing position uh like your your wings are great you've got Porter and Kelly Oubre but then behind them Oubre picks up a ton of fouls uh he can get some technical fouls sometimes and make some bonehead plays um he's not really the guy you necessarily want in at the end of the fourth quarter with the game on the line and then Porter, you know, he's he's a great player, but he's been struggling with hip issues, not just this year, but his whole career. So it would be great to have some more wing depth. And then it's just like kind of a ancient front court a little bit too, because um, let's see these ages. So I've mentioned that Gortat's 33, Jan Mike McKinney is 31. Mike Scott's been playing well this year. Um, he's 30 though. So, you know, how long is that going to last? Jason Smith then, is getting up there. Yeah, Smith is 31. It's, Jody Meeks is 30. He's supposed to be like the three-point specialist, but he's been shooting horribly all season. He's shooting 32% from beyond the arc. So the bench is, you know, like when you get to the playoffs, you really only need, what, seven, eight players, maybe nine if you're lucky. So the Wizards have a few solid reserves. They'll have uh, Oubre, Sadaransky, and then hopefully Mike Scott makes an impact. And Mahimni can can be a decent, you know, for like 15, 15 minutes a game at center. But uh, the biggest concern with the Wizards and their coaching staff um, is Scott Brooks is quite a traditionalist. So he's he's going to count on running Wall and Beal and Otto Porter into the ground 40 minutes a game. And so as we saw at the end of the Wizards series against the, the Celtics when it lasted seven games last year, uh, John Wall went like one for 10 in the second half, something like that. He missed his last 10 shots just because he had no legs left. And so for someone coming off of knee surgery who hasn't played in, you know, a long time, he's not going to jump right in and be able to play 30, 40 minutes game. So I think um, I think the Wizards bench definitely needs a bit of a a boost over the offseason, and hopefully they can shuffle around some of those heavier center contracts to allow for that. But it's it's definitely going to be tough because when you only have, you know, two guys off the bench you can rely on, that's that's an issue. Do you think – the depth with Minnesota is is really somewhere that's going to cost you in the playoffs as well. Well, well, let let me be honest here. I don't see the Wolves making it too far in the playoffs. I think, you mm-hmm. know, here locally, it's been such a long drought. What are we at? Thirteen years running? Yes, or fourteen? Thirteen. Thirteen, 13 years running on a, on a playoff drought. So simply the fact of making it to the playoffs, which by the way, isn't guaranteed at this point, given the current state of the Western conference with all that being said, uh, a first round victory for us, that would mean the world to this city. Um, Mm -hmm. After that, I mean, we're really talking about bonus territory because every, every win after that's just a freebie as far as I'm concerned, because I never saw this season as a let's compete for a championship type season. This was get, get everybody dialed in, get the, get the schemes dialed in, get everybody together, find out who the cornerstones are and then proceed to the draft and free agency to fill the void, which is three point shooting. And I would say defensive 
you know, anybody defensive, whether you're a, a center yeah. or a wing defender for us, because guard position, I think we're set. Um, but anyways, I digress. I think really the bottom line for the wolves is they just, they have to bolster a couple positions um, on the, whether it's a center power forward or a shooting guard wing that can guard multiple positions. You know, we were hoping to grab a guy like PJ Tucker or CJ miles in the off season. And, mm-hmm. We didn't get a chance to do that. So, you know, we brought in Jamal Crawford. Well, he's not known as a defensive assassin. He's an offensive weapon. Well, I hate to break it to everybody, but the Wolves' problem isn't scoring. It's defense. So that's what what I think the team needs to focus on, which, by the way, let me add, I, I, I keep tweeting this out. I cannot believe this far into the Tom Thibodeau era, we're talking about our defense being this bad for this long it's it's you know a season and three quarters in and it's just like 109 points a game i mean what did we lose the other night we gave up 119 points we scored 107 we lost by 12 it's like how many and we score 107 points i feel right. like you should win that game <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just that's that's the era of basketball i grew up watching i mean i'm a you know 90s basketball fan that's where i grew up watching my ball so you know if, if you got a, got to 100 you're probably winning the game so anyways engine yeah that's, it's, that's what i it's crazy that's what with I the wolves because in terms of field goal percentage they're 29th in terms of what they allow the opponents to shoot and but they shoot the third best in the league so it's you know point scored is like another area where minnesota just you know they score 109.7 a game and their defense yeah. isn't actually rank that awful in terms of points allowed but it's it's just all it's you know it's it's ridiculous <laughs> it's 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 parts of the defensive scheme it just all doesn't add up and then really when you look at the eye test of the situation and you watch some of the open looks i mean how many three-point shots will give up in a game and how open they mm-hmm. are because you know that's another factor that it's the quality of look that we allow the other team you know it's a different story if they're shooting shots and they're heavily contested or they're off balance. No, these are rather open shots. It's it's a pretty soft defense, um, which is crazy because then you see them play against the, the Warriors on Sunday and you think, you know, where has this team been? And, uh, you know, but that's the NBA season, you know, and that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a ebb and flow. I mean, your Warriors, you know, sitting at uh, – you know, coming into that Wolves game, thirty-eight and twenty-nine. You know, your season made up for the same thing. I mean, you just let the Heat score one hundred and twenty-nine against you. You know, it's just it's crazy like that. And uh, teams get hot. You can't you can't count on anybody. And I think the outside of the top couple teams, it's as about as thick as it gets right now. There's a lot of good players in the NBA, and then and the teams are good. They're balanced. You know, there's only a handful of teams that you're like, whoa, they're thin. But even then, you know, look at the Kings. You think the Kings, oh, boy, that's a bad team. But you're like, man, they got some good players. They're going to be trouble in a couple years. Same thing we used to say about the Jazz a couple years ago. So um, the windows are narrow in the NBA, and I think some of these great teams right now, I think they're cherishing it. You know, like the Rockets and Mm -hmm. the Warriors are really – they're doing everything they can to stay on top of the heap. And, you know, with Curry being down, you just saw how easy the Warriors can be had, you know. And they're still loaded, by the way. Even, you know, minus Steph Curry, the Warriors are a stacked team. And the Wolves yeah, got them, I mean, so. it just shows how important one injury can be. Like uh, Kawhi Leonard going down 
with that ankle injury uh, in the Western Conference Finals last year, or of course Jimmy Butler. What's what's the team since his injury? Uh, last time I checked, they were five and seven. I'm not sure what they are anymore, but yep, quite been the same. And you asked me, you know, like our postseason. I'll tell you this. I want to just see them go through it. I want them to have that experience, to have that in the bag, to see what it feels like. And then from there, then it's filling the pieces. And next year, next year I'm placing expectations on them because the bar has been set. Playoffs are nothing, a first-round victory. And literally, I think we have the pieces if we if we draft and pick up the proper free agents. If the Warriors or the Rockets have some type of injury, we have just as good a shot as anybody. And I'll put that on almost anything going into next year. So it'll be so an interesting offseason for deep. both of us. Yeah, yeah. well, hopefully that's what he focuses on in the offseason. You know, these guys are getting big, too. I mean, Cat now is um, starting to put on muscle. I mean, if you go pull up mm-hmm. a picture of him a couple years ago when he came out into now, I mean, he's starting to get it thicker and bigger. It, it's only going to get better for them. I mean, they got a they got some quality players coming into the start of their start of their careers, and uh, they already have a lot of games under their belt. I mean, him and Wiggins have been Iron Man on the court. But um, Noah, I, I want to say thank you for your time. I'm gonna let Kevin wrap it up. If you got anything else for Noah, Kevin? Yeah, Noah. Uh, one, I'll, I'll give you your your time here. Go ahead and uh, and and give everybody listening to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel a little preview about Locked On Wizards and what the show's about. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much for having me on the Howl. Uh, it's my first time, you know, just starting here on Dash Radio with uh, the Locked On Wizards program. We're going to be live every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And the Locked On Wizards podcast is a daily – It's yeah, so it's, it's going to be on Dash Radio, but it's also a, a daily podcast five days a week. Um, so we do news and analysis with a – big uh, list of different guests, players, coaches, experts around the league, um, lots of other locked-on hosts. And, um, yeah, uh, that's about it. Thanks so yeah, make much sure, for this opportunity. Make, yeah, make, oh, yeah, make sure you check these guys on, out. On Twitter, too, uh, at Locked On Wizards. You can go to LockedOnWizards.com. Uh, our podcasts are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we got it. The Usual Suspects. There we go. Well, maybe maybe one day we'll uh, we'll see the Wizards in the uh, the NBA championship, and that'll be the the finals nobody saw coming. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's gonna get Bulls Wizards. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. All right, good. On that note, all right, Noah. Thanks a lot for joining us. Quarter two of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our talker segment. We are going to cover everything Timberwolves, NBA, WNBA, and even a little bit of the Iowa Wolves. Now, Aaron, let's get into one that I've actually been discussing with a lot of people here, a video that's making the rounds on every bit of social media. Hold on. Are you going to talk about the Howl Hot Topic right away? Right off the bat, because this, this is a big deal for me. Oh, it's Being getting... A, Getting hot in here. Being a basketball player for as long as you and I have, we can both agree that this this play is 100% egregious and yes. absolutely horrible. So if you haven't seen the video, it's the Kansas High School State Basketball Tournament. Uh, basically a, a fast break. Uh, player is, is going in for a dunk or a layup, what have you. We don't honestly know. He's well ahead of the play, maybe well two steps. The, yep. Uh, another, another, uh, the other team chasing him down. One guy, 
And the guy goes up for a layup or a dunk or what have you. And the kid just, I mean, you see both hands basically push the kid. It was like a hockey f- check yeah. shove to the middle of the back that just sent him flying. And the kid basically goes into the uh, into the stand for the, the hoop and looks like his the, knee. The stanchion, yeah. The knee bends at an awkward angle and the kid goes down. Now, the, the, the outrage in this, if you will, is that the kid just got a shooting foul, was allowed to play the game, and finish the game. He did not get ejected. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but my big beef with this is nobody on the other team did anything about it. They just they sat there and watched, watched their teammate on the ground. I mean, I hope that people listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel have an understanding that there is a lot of basketball arenas even playgrounds if you did that that game's over right then and there because it's just going to be some type of brawl royal rumble whatever you want it to be it it's getting ugly quick because let's face it the play was ugly um i want to take a second for those listening to you know put yourself in that player's shoes right you're running down you're going to get a layup Imagine jumping in the air and getting shoved that hard, taking that type of fall. How just scary that would be! I, I, I cannot believe it. It, I, it was the ugliest basketball play that I, I may have ever seen. I don't know of, uh, and I've seen some crazy ones. I mean, just even think about the Timberwolves. Think about Isaiah Thomas and the karate chop to the neck that he pulled on uh, Andrew Wiggins. In that. Might I add, also, IT was still able to play. I think it's just very crazy that any referee that saw that, I mean, how can you be a fan of the game and let somebody continue to play? Yeah, I mean, that's that's easily an ejection. In my, in my mind, not even just for the, the player, but I think the coach as well. Because I think... You got you got to set the tone. You gotta you gotta control that from the get go. And I think not only does that player need to go, but I think the coach needs to go as well. I think that's an interesting take, Kevin. I actually would have said let the coach stay. However, I would have looked at the player, and I would have even considered further suspension. Uh, you know that that type of play is so vile that you know if you were to tell me that that player is now banned or out of the the league for a year i wouldn't bat an eye and feel bad for that guy one bit because you know like who draws the line in all this i mean i get it it's the sanctioning bodies of that state high school league but how egregious and and to what extent i mean can you get for what's it take if that isn't if that doesn't take the cake in terms of uh being just blatant, uh, you know, maybe premeditated and obvious. What more do they want to see? I mean, after that, I mean, you're talking like severe, severe injuries. Yeah, that that guy is so lucky he didn't have a career-ending injury, a spinal injury. I mean, who knows how he could have fell? It just it blows my mind. You know, this day and age, I, I see so much weird stuff on a daily basis. This is just another one of those things. But I'll never forget it. And I, I can't believe I didn't know that he wasn't uh, suspended. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was seeing on Twitter. If if I'm wrong, please correct me at kdraves42. But I was seeing that both kids were allowed to to finish the game. 
Um, which, I mean, now, very happy that the kid that got pushed had no injury. He was able to finish the game out. That's crazy. Um, That's kids for you, though, I guess. Flexible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's hey, just, it, hey, it let's get a, hurt me to see let's it. get a Howl Hot Topic pull up on Twitter. Do you want to po- post? Um, hit yeah. us up, the Howl Radio on Twitter. Uh, Kevin's going to draw up a poll. What? Um, put up a couple options on what do you think a uh, appropriate, uh, you know, should he been ejected? Should he be suspended or more? Let's see what you think. Uh, I want to. I want to get some Twitter feedback again at the Howl Radio on Twitter. Um, the Howl Hot Topic. The Howl Hot Topic. Insert the sizzle button here. Well, no, this was actually this was already a, a poll on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I get it on a poll on Twitter. What did it say? Uh, so it was uh, after watching the video. What should have happened after this play? So it was player immediately tossed, teammates fight back, options one and two, or fine as is. Uh, 80% said options one and two of player immediately tossed and teammates fight back. Uh, 20% said teammates fight back. Not surprisingly, 0% said fine as is. <laughs> it, it's crazy to me that nobody came to his help. I That, you that know. frustrates me so much as a, as a player. Because something's off there. That situation's off because that's a natural reaction. You know, something you see somebody that you care about get hurt in that fashion. It's like an instinctual, you know, that's your medulla oblongata. It's your fight or flight, <laughs> man. I mean, it, it kicks in and, and, and something just happens. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why they would, wouldn't come to his help. Yeah. That's it, crazy. I mean, you got to think there's something in the locker room. Maybe the, maybe nobody liked the kid or whatnot, but even, even still, <laughs> that's crazy. He's, that's he's, bad on news. Your, he's on your team and a kid from another team pushes. I'd still be off the bench dropping elbows. Well, he looked like he made a good play too. Yeah. Uh, let's move along uh, to another uh, um, outrage of sorts from a different oh, fan come base. On. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves officially signed Derek Rose. Oh, this outrage. Uh, a lot of people were outraged by this and, you know, I thought you were going to talk about the next outrage that we're going to get into. Oh no, we'll get into, yeah, we've got a lot, we of got another outrage, a lot of outrages tonight. Teaser, stay tuned. Uh, so Aaron, what do you think of the D Rose signing from what we've seen so far? Well, I can tell you a couple of things, um, that I, I would say, a majority of us that follow the team saw this as an inevitable outcome that many had expected it when the move to wave him immediately. Um, I'm surprised it took this long. So you wonder what was happening in that in-between stage. Uh, with that being said, I, I think the timing of it was poor. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, pick a side, whatever side you want to be on. I personally can't draw any judgments because, uh, you know, I'm talking about the, the case that was alleged against Derek Rose because I can only go by what I see in a, in a courtroom document. So, yep. and that's, and then, you know what, and I'm not into that. So I can't, I can't pick one side or the other. All I know is, you know, if you had a choice to bring a high character guy in, I, I'd pick the high character guy ten out of ten times. Um, I like heady basketball players, smart basketball players. I'll take character guys over that all day long. And 
you know what? If you lose, at least you're losing uh, with some dignity. With that being said, uh, having the signing on uh, International Women's Day, I thought was poor choice by the franchise in regards to just having some uh, duty of care or, you know, because let's face it, 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 the issues that are brought up, the issues that were alleged, they're clearly women related issues. So why, why would you pick that day of all days? I think that's a fumble by, um, someone anyways, with that being said, Derek Rose at a basketball player, which is what I can elaborate on and, and discuss is, he is a guy who has the ability, if healthy, to make an impact. The true question, which we haven't seen in a long while, is health. What we are looking forward to seeing is productivity from Derrick Rose. And I don't know how fast that will come, and I don't know if it will happen in a Timberwolves uniform because he signed through the remainder of the season. The fact of him coming back, it's not set in stone. It's a we-shall-see moment. And let's just take a th- it and, and pump the brakes on this thought. I get he's had all these surgeries, but Derrick Rose was the MVP of the NBA. He was, at the time, the most dynamic player that I had seen since LeBron James came out. The stuff that he did was unbelievable. He had I hadn't seen a guard do stuff like Derrick Rose did since Allen Iverson was in his prime. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, but he's still young. For me, it's always been whether or not he could change his game to fit his body. Right, the explosive nature in which he made all those unbelievable dunks and blocks and fadeaways. It clearly was he had like he had too much power for what his body could give him. It was unsustainable, which is why a lot of those things gave out. So if he can adapt and become a smarter basketball player, which is what typically becomes of a player that's played longer and finds a role on a team, I think he can be just fine. I I can't for one second say you played on team USA you played uh, you were an MVP you played in the Eastern Conference Finals and what four years later you're you're not even worth a D-league player that's really unheard of I don't I outside of Derek Rose who's on our team I don't know of anybody else that has had such a fall from grace. You know, Andrew Bynum kind of comes to mind, who played at an all-star level, never was an MVP, and he fell to nothing, right? I mean, he's sitting on the sideline in flip-flops drinking a beer, you know what I mean, in street clothes. Um, I I don't know of a guy of Derrick Rose's status at, at his prime and at his peak that in such a time rapidly declined. So when, and injuries do that to you, and, and major injuries do that to you, and they they pull up a sense of doubt in not totally. only fans' minds but front offices and coaches and GMs and other players in the player himself. Yeah, at one hundred percent. And so, look, as Derek Rose is a basketball player, this signing is a low risk, high reward because you're committing. I mean, it's what? It's a prorated salary for the remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. 
And if you can even get 50% of MB- MVP caliber Derrick Rose coming off the bench for you, sign me up. I'm okay with that. The small sample size that we've seen from Derrick Rose and and all jokes aside of oh my gosh he he looked like he almost tore his ACL in the in the first you know the first time he touched the ball against the Warriors on Sunday and there was a collective sigh of relief from Wolves fans at the Target Center when he got up off the ground after dribbling out of bounds and looking like his ACL was gone kind of thing um 50% of MVP caliber Derrick Rose I'm okay with it it's when you get into the you know the situation where Derrick Rose isn't playing well. You know, he was a minus 17 against the Warriors in his short time, and he didn't see the floor in the second half. That I'm okay with. Thibs gave D. Rose his run. They went from a 10-point lead to an 11-point deficit very quickly and early into the second half, and D. Rose didn't see the floor again. He's rusty. He hasn't. You know, he hasn't played with an NBA team in a little while. He is not familiar with our system because, yes, Thibs comes from Chicago, but there's obviously some changes to it to, to fit the team. At least I hope there would be. And and Derrick Rose isn't familiar with everybody. He knows Jimmy. He knows Taj. Cool, but there's, you know, 10 other guys on the on this roster that he's got to get acclimated to. He's got to know how... Andrew Wiggins likes his passes when Andrew's trying to post up or when Cat's trying to post up, where does he like the ball or, or in transition, do you hit Cat's left shoulder or right shoulder on a pass kind of thing? I mean, there's, there's all these little nuances that he's got to learn. So in a small sample size, I'm okay with giving D Rose his run and figuring out who you have in a guy that you're paying a very minimal amount to. Now down the road, say next year, two years, three years, do you do you maybe lock lock him up for say eight mil over the next three years? Well, or I don't do even you, I don't even know if that's like a or do you go with like a one year prove it deal that's kind of laden with incentives for him? I don't even know if it's possible though because based on his salary minimums like league minimums, I don't even know if he can get that cheap. And especially like you know he was I mean the NBA created their own Derrick Rose rule for salaries because of his you know quick rise to success i mean with all those things considered i don't know what a proper salary figure would be for him it ha- would have to be almost near bottom if not minimum salary at his years of service yeah because other than that, I just would feel too risky unless we see something just very impressive in these last handful of games. It's it's too little of a sample size for me because there's not going to be anything that I'm going to see personally from Derrick Rose it, outside of just like some legit takeover of the game kind of stuff or some very good defense that's going to make me want to say, let's keep this guy. I think the expectation from the fan base is he's going to have to prove above and beyond. You know, if he were to play average, if let's say this was, I don't know, you know, pick a average role player in the NBA and he came to the team, nobody would barely care, right? It would just be like a whatever thing. And, you know, four points here, six points there, they 
people might care about it. But Derrick Rose, he's a lightning rod for many reasons. So it would have to be very cheap if he stays on the team. And I hope to God it doesn't mean losing Tyus Jones. If it's a swap Derrick Rose for Aaron Brooks, yeah, all day. I'll do that. Let's do that. Um, I don't know, Kevin. I, I, I think... I think everybody deserves a chance to write their own story and and hopefully we can be a part of what is a fantastic resurgence or end of career for Derrick Rose. That would be ideal. And that's what we should all look forward to having happen because if this guy plays as you said at a 50% level or oh my gosh maybe a 70% level, that's a good player. Yep. That's a good player in the NBA and we just got him on our team. The, the big thing that doesn't make sense to me here is this Derrick Rose experiment, if you will, is taking place on a team that four games from now could very easily be on the outside looking into the playoffs. I mean, that's how close the West is. Yeah. So you're playing these critical minutes that should go to a guy like Tyus or Jeff Teague because they've been on the team the whole year. They're familiar with everything that this team has to offer. And you're going to play D-Rose even 10, 15 minutes in a critical ball game that could decide whether you're the three seed, the four seed, or the eight seed, or you're sitting at home. Yeah, the situation, when you say it like that, Kevin, it feels as if it's just set up to fail. Yeah. Like, how how could you define success in this situation? I think it's – you're looking for a you know needle in a haystack. I mean, it's kind of like he's being set up to be a scapegoat. In, in all honesty, if you look at it, because now Wolves fans can go, well, you know, we had the playoffs. Obviously, there was the Jimmy injury, but things went downhill when we signed Derrick Rose. Or, you know, they took they took minutes away from Tyus. They took minutes away from Jeff Teague and gave them to Derrick Rose, and that ran us into the ground. And Derrick Rose is a shell of who he is, and so that's why we didn't make the playoffs. I don't... So it's, it, it feels, in a sense, maybe not full on, but that... Maybe Thibs is adding another scapegoat into the mix where he can say, look, we when everybody was healthy and everything ran well, we were the three seed. We were the four seed in the West. Jimmy goes down with an injury, out of my control. Derek Rose, we signed him. Yes, that's on me, but I signed him for the vet men and only played him 10, 15 minutes a game. You know, He came in and he didn't perform to the expectations that we had for him, and so that brought us down. And it, it just... I could. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's something that could potentially be there as well. The thing I find puzzling is this falls into the category of if it ain't broke, why fix it? Yep. If you look at this Timberwolves team, point guard hasn't been my concern all season long. Anyone listening to the Howl here on Dash Radio? Jeff Teague, you can say what you want about him. He's a good point guard in the NBA. We need defense and we need three-point shooters, all of which Derrick Rose isn't. Yeah, we're not a wing-heavy team by any stretch. Not to mention you're losing Jimmy Butler. I would have thought we would have called up one of our G League guys and filled him in that spot. It didn't happen. I don't know what's going to happen with this situation, Kevin. I just know that the expectations are going to be very difficult to meet. I don't understand it outside of just the one fact of it's a boomer bust situation. 
where if he somehow can put it together, now you have that. No, no. Granted, I will say this: if Teague did have some injury issues early on this season, well, it was a fluke play. No, I, I, in but, in but, a but, moment he shouldn't even been in the game. But honestly, but I'm just saying. Teague was injured for a short period of time. Yes. So then it was Tyus. Who played fantastic and as who? replacement. Uh, Marcus George's Hunt and Jamal Crawford. Okay, but Aaron Brooks. No, I mean Aaron, a but, little but Aaron, bit. Aaron Brooks was the third string point guard on this team. So in, in, the, in the case of providing a little extra support in case Teague or Tyus go down, in that sense I like the D-Rose signing. Because now you have somebody that does know Thibs' system, albeit a, a, a more simplistic scale of it from what it used to be when he played. Yep. You have a guy that, you know, like you said, was the MVP of the league a few years ago as your third string point guard playing backup minutes. It's it's a little extra security should something like that happen. Obviously, I hope nothing like that happens and we don't need to have that conversation. But in that sense of, look, it gives us a little extra support, so we're not relying on a guy like Aaron Brooks in crunch time of the playoffs or Marcus Georges Hunt, who, as as much as I like him, is very young, very green, doesn't get the minutes. you know. So it, there is a little support there, but otherwise I 100% agree with you. I loved it watching Marcus Georges Hunt coming into his own for that stretch of games he played. And it's it's kind of a bummer he's not getting to contribute as much as I'd like to see him play in games. But, you know, Kevin, the fact of the matter is this, and this will always be true. Time will tell. Time will tell how this is going to work out. I mean, you and I can sit here until we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, as a, as a Wolves fan and supporter, at this point, he's on our team. So... Yeah, let's bring back 2011 D Rose or whatever, whatever his MVP season is. Let's get that guy back in, and he's on our squad, and let's go. You know, we talked a lot about the Wolves' need for wings. I'm going to take a few minutes here to talk about a top tier elite wing in the NBA who may be making a return this week. Who? Kawhi Leonard. Ah, that this guy. Is, this has been probably one of the more interesting sagas in the NBA, Aaron. With it has the fact been. of, you know, him coming back for just a little bit and then sitting out, and it was he's not going to play the rest of the season, and now he's coming back supposedly Thursday, and uh, Kawhi's camp is unhappy with the Spurs, and and just so much drama. It feels like I'm watching CBS at noon on a Tuesday after the Price Is Right is done. What's wild about this is. I, in my life, have never seen a drama come out of San Antonio. No, not at all. You know, I think the biggest thing was when uh, they had Stack Jack, Steven Jackson, on the team. Like, he was the most wild card player I think I can remember in in my days. This was so unspurs-esque, having the Kawhi drama unfold. And then even his return announcement came completely out of nowhere, you know, Remember, this is on the heels of Greg Popovich coming out and saying, yeah, um, I don't expect him back for the rest of the season. Yep. You know, you know, and Pop goes into his logic on why. Like, hey, look, there's only this many games, and he's not fully trained up and up to game shape. And then, boom, all of a sudden it was like, hey, Kawhi Leonard's making his return Thursday or whatever it was. That's – it. 
it's it so bizarre. It doesn't seem like either of them. Like, and why the, the rift? Like, and, and there's there's definitely, I'll tell you this right now, there is something that we all don't know that has happened or is happening yep. that, you know, we'll see if it comes out or not. Because I would love to know where this all came from. So what, what part of this do you think is the fact that the Spurs currently sit as the seventh seed in the playoffs and have a real chance of potentially missing the playoffs is for the it, first time since... What, since basically I was born? Or th- could this be some crazy Popovich just leg- thing of legends that he's like, you know what, Kawhi, you're going to sit and you're, sh- you're going to – I mean, he's going to come back and look like the next coming of Michael Jordan out of the gates and you got the healthiest version of Kawhi Leonard rolling into the playoffs. And, the, you know, Scary. The, they're going to match up against the Rockets, who they can take on and – Pop's got the perfect path to the NBA Finals. You know, is that what's happening? I don't know. That would be a Pop-esque move. I can't put 100%. it past him. I can't put it past the guy. That's what's so crazy about this is you could tell me about seven different scenarios, and I'd be like, yeah, that seems likely. So I don't know what to say. As it sits right now, the Spurs are a half game up on the 8, 9, and 10 seed in the playoffs. So... And one game, and they could be on the outside looking in. This is this is really scary. I mean, like I've said before, you have like a game and a half separating your four seed and your ten seed, and you have three and a half separating your three seed and your ten seed. Well, now, I mean, you, I'm, I'm going to say the Rockets and the Warriors have one two unlocked. That's not that's not yeah, changing. We've We're not that. worried about. We've that. known that. But three through ten is absolutely crazy. Well, you know what Carl Anthony Town says, Kevin. What does he say? He says uh, the West is a swamp, and only the real alligators will make it out. Do you think we're a real alligator? I think we're a real alligator. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. I'm, we're, it, it, this Insert my... growling alligator <laughs> yeah. noise there. Rawr. Snarl or whatever <laughs> sound they make. I think they is. So it's time for a bold prediction, Aaron. Let's, okay. I'm. You know I can do it. I want to I know who you think. Uh, but uh, that three through ten spot in the West, what one of those teams is not going to make it? That's that's going to surprise everybody because obviously two of those teams aren't going to make it in. Do you want to know why too? I would love to know why, Aaron. As you listen to quarter two of Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Howl, uh, we are talking uh, bold predictions of who's going to miss the playoffs. Aaron, go ahead. Oh, this. Okay, if it's a bold prediction, I'm going to say the Pelicans. And, and if I, the, the, if the, I the could. The current four-seed Pelicans. It doesn't matter. They're 14 back. So are the Wolves and so are the Thunder. And my other team would be the Thunder. What's going to set one of these teams out is like a three-game skitter. Nothing major. You know, so if something happens, and the reason I picked the Pelicans, Anthony Davis has been playing out of his mind for a month now. Can he keep it up? You know, if if he has a bad game, what happens to the Pelicans? You know, I don't remember who I was talking to. It was a little bit earlier today. Uh, somebody was, like, talking about Anthony Davis and just how good that Pelicans team is. And I was like, well, they don't really have anybody else other than Anthony Davis. Like, like Cat has been saying, every time they play the Pelicans, AD is going to get his. It's containing everybody else, 
and that will make sure that you win the game. One of the key differences is Rondo has been playing well over this stretch. You know, a veteran leader. Well, he's a good basketball player. Just the bottom line is he's been around the block. He knows the game. I think he helps settle down what is otherwise a, a kind of young-ish team. I don't know. That's bad language. Anyways, the Pelicans would be my choice. The Thunder, I would love to see slide out. For I just, I don't know. I don't know why I don't like the Thunder in this situation. Even though, like, I, I want them to somehow match up with the Warriors. If I could get like a one-eight Warriors Thunder playoff series, it'd be epic. It would just bring home my thoughts that Carmelo is playoff curse, and that he's never going to win a championship. He's oh, never, you know, yeah. I mean, that would and that would make me super happy because I have a lot of issues with Carmelo. Um, <laughs> for me. So I'm going to start with with a, a positive bold prediction. Let's hear and it. that's that the Jazz are going to leapfrog their way into the playoffs. They've won six in a row. They're currently tied with the AC with the Clippers, who can't I don't think can keep up where they're at right now. And the Nuggets, who are so up and down that at the drop of the hat, they're both. I think they both drop out. Here's the crazy thing: I like the Jazz pick, and I would say of the bold predictions, if you were to tell me the Jazz weren't going to make the playoffs this year. I would have thought crazy. Yep. Because I thought for sure they were going to be a lock to be in the playoffs. Hold on. So I'm going to ask you, uh, don't look at your phone real quick, but okay. two teams in the NBA right now what? in the Western Conference out of the top 10 yep. have more have a more than five-game win streak currently. Okay. Who are those two teams? In the top 10. In, in the top 10 in the Western Conference. Well, it would be, well, the Warriors just lost, Rockets just lost. So three seed is Portland. Okay, who's uh, your other who's your other choice? I got a. How many do I got to pick? There's no, there's only two teams that have anything above a, a two game win streak right now. Oh, isn't it, the, isn't it the? It's the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. So the Portland Trailblazers have won nine in a row currently, and the Jazz have won six. The Jazz are one of those sneaky teams that I think they're going to keep riding this high, and you're going to see teams like the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Spurs, and the Thunder. All four of those teams are gonna are going to be in a fight for two spots, and I would not be surprised to see a, a team like the Spurs or the Thunder miss out on the playoffs with a team that we expect to miss it, like the Clippers or the or the Nuggets. Now let's talk about this Timberwolves nation. Now that Kevin's got me going on all these standings and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is it not the most Timberwolves s thing in the world? Like bad luck wise, we finally have a good season, and sure enough. Every team in the entire division decides, guess what? We're all going to play playoff basketball. It from, from the first place team, the Blazers, to the Utah Jazzers, three and a half games separated. Yeah. And this is what I want for the Wolves. I want the Wolves to win the division. Like, can that just be a thing right now, today? Let's make it a thing. I, w- I wish we could clinch today. Like, just get it done with. We have a chance, man. I'm telling you. The Blazers we split with, right? And actually, I think we hold a tiebreaker based on other factors. Yes. Conference I believe, record. I believe that is correct. If we finish tied with the Blazers, we win this thing. The Thunder are tied with us. I mean, this is crazy. This is fun. I, I You know what? Enough of this worrying about Derrick Rose and whatever the hell he's going to do. We're talking about a bench player. That's it. That's it. Let's, Let's, simple let's, enough. 
Let's move on to some more good news. The um, Minnesota Lynx NBA draft is coming up here in early April. Uh, so first off, before we get into this, Aaron, uh, we have some some breaking news, if you will, is for all of you Minnesota Lynx fans, all of you fans of the Howl. Uh, we have a very special guest joining us in studio next week. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's not so much breaking news other than it's, it's simply just exciting news. Very um, exciting news. Dash Radio um, here on the Nothing But Net channel is going to welcome Cheryl Reeve to the den. She's coming to the den. Ooh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've always had a respect for her. We were talking today, and I was just saying, you know, I'm a basketball lifer. I said, you know, we can talk as much basketball or as little basketball. You know, I could talk for hours. You know, we're gonna sit back and yep. <laughs> it could be whatever it can be. So I'm looking forward to talking about the team. the The Lynx just made a move. We did, yes. Uh, so the Minnesota Lynx have acquired Danielle. Robinson, Robinson yeah. from the uh, uh, from the Mercury, um, and a second round pick, and Next. a second round pick in 2019's draft yep. uh, for their first overall pick, which is the number 12. So the Lynx actually will have two second round picks in this draft, um, and then they have a second round, an additional second round pick in the 2019 draft. It's very interesting because Danielle Robinson is a very good basketball player. She is a, an all star. 28 years old, so still a lot of... Not, not just an all-star, a three-time yeah. all-star. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of legs left in her at 28. You know, she's a former first-round pick herself. She was sixth overall by the San Antonio's, the Silver Spurs. Um, a four-year player out of Oklahoma. I mean, started a bazillion games. I know that's a factual number. Uh, <laughs> Spot on with no, that number. No, it was a ton. I mean, it, yeah, 141 games she played. You were close. Logged major minutes. But see, here's here's what I like about this move. Hold on, hold on. The reason I bring that up is okay. because that's that if you're a four year player and you log all that minutes and all those games played, you're a good basketball player. You just yep. don't start as a freshman. No. Or you don't just start as a sophomore. You gotta right? earn it. You gotta or eat. or be very good. Yeah, exactly. Which earns it by default. What I what I really like about this move is the Lynx go out and get somebody that can come in and contribute right away. She started 29 of 32 games last season. Not stellar point numbers, but that's not what you really need. I mean, you've got Maya Moore, you've got Simone Augustus, you've got you know players that can contribute, and she, she's going to step in and, and fill a great role for this team. And you get a three-time WNBA All-Star for a draft pick. You know, and... and a draft pick is an unknown commodity. You don't know what you're going to have. The Lynx know exactly what they're going to get in Daniel Robinson. This is a great move for the franchise to continue building, to continue their dynasty. Well, she had a she had an Achilles injury, um, sidelined her for an entire season. So there's that. I would imagine that she's fully recovered from that as much as you can be in regards to an Achilles. Um I don't know, man. I think this is a crazy good pick because here's the thing. At 28, you're getting what I would call a veteran player in substituting for what you would get at a 12th, 12th pick in a, in a yeah. draft. So we have a veteran team, which I would say I don't think we need a rookie right now, especially at the 12th pick, unless, unless they thought that they could get a just true gem, which – if the draft talent isn't there at 12, or if you don't think it's going to fall in your favor at 12, yep. 
why would you not move on yeah, a, a make, player who is still young enough can contribute a handful of years? Um, I, I mean, what else can we say here? Let's well, one month one month from today is the WNBA draft. So the the links the fifteenth, the fifteenth of April, twelfth of April, twelfth. Okay. So the links go out and they ensure that they have a piece that they want. And yeah, you had to give up a first round pick, but this is a piece that you obviously want. And I I feel like this could be a very good steal of a of a trade for the Lynx down the road. I mean, obviously time will tell, but a three time NBA All Star for a late a late first. Yeah, let's do it. I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out. And again, if you're listening to the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, tune in next week this time for some thoughts by Cheryl Reeve, WNBA champion coach. Yeah. Cheryl Reeve. Going to be a yeah. great interview. I'm, I'm very excited. In the den. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, last thing here in the second quarter of our Timberwolves Talker segment, just touch briefly on the Iowa Wolves. Now, Aaron, the last Iowa Wolves victory came over a month ago. What's happening? Tuesday, February 6th, the Iowa Wolves beat the Memphis Hustle 109-98 and since then have gone 0-10. Yeah, that's not a good look, man. I I can't I can't call it, Kevin. Um, all this, I know this is includes, this includes a twenty four point loss to the Westchester Knicks, a fourteen point loss to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, um, a couple really close games. I mean, a five point loss to the Star Salt Lake City Stars, a uh, looks like an eleven point loss to the Erie BayHawks, but still zero and ten is zero and ten, no matter how you write it down. Yeah, that's. They need to, uh, as I would call it uh, on the court, need to pull up. <laughs> it's, it's not looking pretty it's down brutal. in Iowa. So, you know why? It's because we never went down and caught that game. We were going to go catch Kevin. You know, did that could have been could, it. We could go this Friday when they play the Austin Spurs. I got plans. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can go. Hey, well, hit, hit Kevin to, up. Hit order. Kevin up. Kdre is forty two on Twitter. <laughs> you want to carpool with him down to uh, Iowa? He's got a nice car. Uh, listens to good no, music. We can't, we can't. We can't put Miles on my car. We got to take yours, but I'll buy the gas. <laughs> hey, I got an electric car. It's, you don't yeah. need to buy gas, we bro. Can get, yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a couple couple home games left uh, against the Salt Lake City Stars, the Sioux Falls Sky Force. So hopefully they can get back in the winning column and uh, finish the season strong here because zero and ten just hurts no matter who you are it does it just makes uh games more difficult let's just be honest well let's get into halftime we've got third quarter which is our 2k all day segment coming up uh can kevin koozie and you're doing the howl hardwood history here uh, so we got a lot more coming you're not going to want to go anywhere you are listening to dash radios nothing but net channel this is the howl that does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. 